This is the Revved Up Sports Show with Bobby Chaffee. We do have this nice little format that we try to try to follow every week. We don't usually follow it. And Rodney Rodriguez. Entertain me. Tell me something. I need to know something other than what I'm seeing. Fun. All right, here we go. Here's Bobby and Rodney. Hey, guys. Happy Monday. We're getting rain. Man, getting a little bit of rain coming up in here. That is a good thing. Rain is a good thing. Especially around here. It looks horrible. Horrible. Happy Monday. Hope everybody has had a uh, fantastic uh, weekend into your uh, into your Monday. Showtime Bobby Chaffee, Rodney Rodriguez, locked and loaded program. Brad K- or Brad Crane will join us from the Touring Outlaw Modified Series. And then we get uh, Ricky Ware Jr. That's going to be some good stuff. Unfiltered. Ricky Ware Jr. That's right. Unrestrained, unfiltered, full throttle, whatever. Uh, pick your poison on how you want to describe that interview coming up. But uh, I'm sure we'll have some controversial topics. Um, we'll, we'll, our, I'm sure our phones will start blowing up. At, ask him about this. Ask him <laughs> about this. Ask him about it. We will try to get to as many questions as pop up on our social media accounts or, or pop up as text on our phone. But we will do the best we can to get everybody get their questions answered. Because some of the questions that you guys want to know, probably some of the questions that we want to know. That nobody knows. I mean, the the, the answer to it. And, and the whole thing is, I mean, a, a lot of it is like we were talking about, Bobby. The, the whole thing with Ricky Jr. is obviously you want to talk about San Antonio racing history. But uh, this dude was a wheel man. And the way that his career ended really sucked. But, I mean, when you go back and you look at everything that he did, uh, I mean, he was... He was just so good. And, and that, that where last name, that W-A-R-E last name when it comes to San Antonio, imagine had not Ricky Ware Sr., Ricky Ware, had he not uh, been a part of, of San Antonio Racing and Austin, because I think a lot of people don't realize or forget that for many years, Ricky ran, Ricky Sr. ran Austin and San Antonio. And that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Hell, one's enough, in my opinion. Hell, you know, we see folks struggle to run one track, but this dude, I mean, how great was he? And But this is about Junior. This is about Ricky Junior. He's coming up 7.05. Brad Crane, before that, we're going to talk some dirt track racing. They had a doubleheader weekend and uh, so forth and so on. It looked like a healthy weekend around racetracks around the state of Texas. Looked like a good time. Uh, it really did. Um, looks like there was lots of good car count, especially Friday night in Waco. Uh, a whole bucket load of factory stocks there at Combo. I think it was 34, 36, something like that. That's what I saw. That's what I saw, yeah. And uh, and a good show right there, and, and, and I love what they're doing. Again, it, it's like one of those things to where it seems like Cotton Bowl is the one place where we see the sport mod struggling, the modified struggling. They don't struggle there. I mean, they, they, they pull, they pull the, the drivers and the fans in and, uh, another good night, another good night and, and, and good for Cotton Bowl. I mean, because like we talked about it, it seems like since Marianne and H took the place over, it's like, uh, they're, they're the ones that really seem to have, you know, ignited all the fire there in, in that racetrack. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it took a while for them to get a hold of, of the whole dirt track experience. Cause obviously it's a little different. It's a little different uh, animal, so to speak, uh, than it is with the regular rounding round asphalt stuff. But um, I think that uh, it's taken them a while. It took them what three or four seasons now to kind of get their 
really realistically to get their footing in the door. So that um, you know, now that they're in there, they've got a good solid program, got a good solid uh, fan count. They come in weekly, got a good uh, racing weekly, uh, weekly racing program. It's a good so show. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff coming. It's a good show, and and what they do, I mean, it's a very family friendly show. I mean, they they do stuff. I mean, I've talked to folks, and it's like, well, you know, I don't like this, that, and the other. But I mean, that that's part of the thing, and I think that's one of the things that we can talk to 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 Ricky Junior about because that's the thing that Ricky Senior did. Where he incorporated all that way back when, way back when. But um, anyway, that that's that's a, another story. But uh, so, what did you think of Talladega, my man? Uh, it took a little bit to get going. I mean, other than that, I mean, I thought that there would be a little bit more carnage with this new car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that the teams have found a way that they they were twitchy, but they weren't Daytona five hundred twitchy with this new car. So that was that was a plus. Uh, to me, a lot of people talked about how great that finish was. To me, it's a little bit of a lackluster finish. Um, it was more caused more like a, a couple of blocks gone bad than it was a great finish, at least in my eyes. Yeah, well, and I mean that—that's part of the thing that we talk about because we were talking Saturday on the show where, where folks were were bitching about the the finish in the Bristol Dirt Race. Dirt guys, that's how you race. And um, I mean, this is kind of the what we expect to see in, in these um, speedway races. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it was a good show. I, I'll tell you what I liked. That place was jammed. It's packed, wasn't it? Dude, hell, of, hell of a big crowd. There, there's for a lot of people, and that's where all of you people need to get out to a short track. I mean, get to one of these local short tracks that are doing really, really cool things. I mean, whether it be Kennedale, Waco, I mean, Cotton Bowl. Uh, Owen this weekend going back to back and and how about that? I mean, I, I think what Owen's doing this weekend. You want to talk about tying those two tracks in together? That's how you do it right there. That that's that good old All Pro thing from back in the day when All Pro would race at uh, at, at at Corpus on a Friday night and then go to San Antonio. Owen. Owen, leverage, my brother. Leverage. That is huge right there. I love what he's doing this weekend. It's definitely a challenge. Uh, not so much for the for the non the the non wing elite cars. Those two guys are used to doing it. Uh, kind of double headers and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of the the it will be a change to be doing that on a Friday night for the for Texana. Um, I guess it's no different doing it Friday night than when he does that Memorial Day show where he runs Sunday over there at Texana. So a little bit of change, uh, but they should have a fairly decent car count there on a Friday night. I mean, guys have had a plenty of um, plenty of um, experience or not experience exposure to the date, so they should be knowing that the date's coming up. But um, you know, I, I can't make it unfortunately. I've got some prior commitments to that, so I can't I can't make it down on a Friday night. But uh, I'm looking forward to a good show. I'll check it out with our friends on Race on Texas to kind of watch the. The, the show there and then if we can't make it down to corpus there on saturday night which i don't think i'm gonna try but i don't think i'm gonna make it down there either uh get a chance to watch some good race in there with the race on texas yeah i like that i mean i, I do like the back-to-back shows i think that that really uh gives folks an opportunity and i do want to give a big i, I do want to give a big clap because I, I i was looking at some of the results right there from from cotton bowl and i'll tell you one thing when you look at the guys from the from the gulf coast they travel they go race, and I think they that's did. A, There's a bunch of them, right? I mean, I think that's a big deal that these guys and ladies they, they want to go race, and and they go find a racetrack, and that's um, I think that's really cool, and and that's um, that's something. I mean, it's hard right now. I, I mean, the fuel prices, everything that 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 we see these days. I mean, I, I know that's really tough, but uh, for for the contingent that we saw 
from the South Texas racetracks to come up to what I would call kind of one of the maybe East Coast, not East Coast, but kind of one of the Eastern tracks. I mean, that's Cotton Bowl guys, ladies. Y'all need to pay that favor back because they made y'all look really, really good this weekend. They had it. I mean, and a lot of it was the factory stocks. Yeah, uh, but th- but there was a lot of t- a lot of in other classes. You could see the influx of the South Texas people, uh, both those from Edna and then those from Corpus and and even I thirty seven kind of came up for a little bit. But uh, yeah, it, it's time for Cotton Bowl to travel. You don't nothing against Cotton Bowl. You don't see those guys travel as much. You may see them kind of travel to Waco every every once in a while on a Friday night. But when they don't have a tendency to to travel to some of the other tracks. When. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, all right. That, that's that's for later. All right. To the hotline, Lone Star Speed Zone hotline for the first time tonight on a locked and loaded revved up sports show. Talking to a dude that I got the uh, pr- privilege to, to meet on Friday night there at Waco as a really great, really great modified show that we saw. It is Mr. Brad Crane. Brad, how are we doing, sir? Touring Outlaw Modified Series. Oh, hey, Rodney, we're doing just fantastic, and thanks so much for the invitation on your uh, program. You know, the one uh, the caller you just had in, I've got to get down to that track and see it. I haven't been there yet, but I will one of these days soon. Is that the Cotton Bowl? Uh, uh, man, your, your, you show, exactly. your show there, my friend, you, you guys That'd would be have a, hell of a, a show down there. hell of a time at that place, my man. Oh, man, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. Do they race on Monday nights? I don't know if I can make it there before 7. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I'll tell you what, yeah, it's just the dirt tracking has come to life, and I'm real proud to be part of the Touring Outlaw Modified Series. Once again, uh, they are eight years old now. We're going on our ninth year, actually, very soon. And um, there were a lot of the modified drivers, uh, the IMCA types, modified, uh, you know, from the firewall on, forward, they were open, full chassis in the back or a full body in the back just exactly like an imca modified but they were kind of dying out about nine years ago and a gentleman by the name of keith purtle was a head scorekeeper at cowtown speedway which was in kennedale from 19 oh golly 1963 to about the late 2000s uh, 2018 or 17 it finally closed down I was there at Cowtown for um, uh, almost 18 years myself and went through five different promoters when I was there. And uh, so it was interesting. But dirt tracking was kind of dying out, and uh, they decided, you know, let's open up some rules here. Let's do do some work with the rear ends. Let them run a 550 Cadillac engine under the hood if they want to. No fuel injection. You know, obviously no blowers. But um, they did uh, follow a lot of uh, other uh, sanctioned body rules and uh, came up with the Touring Outlaw Modified Series. So, Brad, obviously the, the evolution of the series, anytime you can have a series for nine years, coming up on nine years, obviously there's been a, a lot of uh, great communication between the drivers, the teams, and the sanctioning body. In terms of what we've been hearing all the different rumors about some of the modifieds going away local-wise, you know, in terms of car count, stuff like that, you guys didn't have any problem with a car count there on Friday night in Waco or Saturday night there in uh, there in Abilene. What What is it that makes the, the guys come to the Turing series modifieds versus some of the week stuff in your opinion money <laughs> it pays pretty well uh heart of texas had paid 1500 for the win which is not bad and uh two and a quarter to start well two and a quarter doesn't sound like much but it does help uh the old diesel bill to get your haul you get your modified car down there whether it's uh oh some of them are beautiful motorhomes that they carry or uh you know other type of uh, rigs but a lot of them are just big old dualies whether it's a chevy ford or dodge 
uh, three-quarter or one-ton truck, you know, with a nice-looking trailer behind and a good-looking modified on top of that. But they're expensive to run. Uh, so it helps at least to get that two and a quarter uh, start money at Waco, which is pretty darn good for local uh, dirt track, and, and then 1500 for the winter. And um, um, that night it would happen to be uh, Justin McCoy. He did a fantastic job. He's from a driver from Irving, picked up $1,500 bill. Now, a lot of those drivers, by the way, we had 34 uh, entries at Heart of Texas in Waco on Friday night. Yep. And then again, we had 34 entries, different drivers from different parts of uh, not only the Lone Star State, but Oklahoma as well, came to Abilene. So we had 34 Friday night, 34 Saturday night. So it was a good show. Keith Pirtle, our um, uh, race director, and then John and Nikki Webb, they happen to own and run Southern Oklahoma Speedway in Ardmore, Oklahoma. They uh, are uh, the financiers, if you will. There's another formal name for it, but uh, <laughs> they they uh, pretty much kept Tom's going. Yeah, yeah, and Cale Westover, the winner there at Abilene, uh, just a good weekend for you guys. I mean, uh, t- talk about this, because I-, I think one of the cool things to me, Brad, was that, like for Waco, the opportunity for for the regular guys, and you had Keith Green, you had all these guys that, that got out there and, and raced. I mean, I-, I think that's the best part to where you, you invite the regular racers to to weekly racers get out there and race and i I think that's great what you guys do oh yeah you bet you bet by all means actually it was keith's son kevin green kevin green i'm sorry sorry. yeah kevin that's okay keith was a tremendous driver i remember when keith when he was on a kawasaki motorcycle riding flat track i believe it was kawasaki it may have been bull taco it's been so many years ago (laughs) but keith was um Young guy, good flat tracker. That's where I got my start with picking up a microphone. I loved flat track racing, still do. But um, it's gotten into a huge money situation, whereas the local dirt track racing, yes, it's still expensive, but nothing like uh, some of the other uh, series that you can get into uh, or other big racetracks. You know, the big mile-and-a-half Texas Motor Speedway, it's more fun to go out there, but by golly, you got to have some pretty deep pockets to go out and have a good time and spend a, a weekend out there or even just a Sunday race, you know, uh, yeah. with the big guys, you know, to get good seats. Or if you're lucky enough to um, own uh, know somebody that um, has invited you upstairs to one of the penthouses, if you will, or one of the condos or something like that, it's great. And, of course, it's it's wonderful racing to watch it live. Uh, but it's not quite like just the local dirt tracks, Heart of Texas Speedway, Abilene Speedway. They've just done a, a marvelous job. You know, and let me interject one thing here real quick. Like the weather, exactly a year ago, particularly for Abilene, it was an absolute nightmare. Was it wind? No. It was rain. They had one rain out after another. Was yeah. it the racetrack? No, the racetrack was fine. It was the pits and getting into the parking lot is what it was just nailed them abilene but that was a year ago this year we've got the west texas winds that you all got down yeah yeah that's right oh it's unbelievable you know so it's been a nightmare for the um uh, track promoters to outguess mother nature and uh, they've done a marvelous job both nights friday night and saturday night the tracks were in excellent condition yeah it's you know you're fighting to win you certainly can't add water in the middle of a race program um not much anyway maybe a quick little sprinkle here and there and do a little track prep if you have to but um uh, most uh most of the time at, at waco we didn't see a soul out there uh during the races you know they just let the track go it was good it was a good good fast track smooth absolutely 
So uh, to talk about the, the, the Tom's cars versus, say, a USMTS modified. Other than USMTS modified taking Brinks trucks to run all over the country, what's the main difference between between the Tom's cars and the, and the USMTS cars other than just high-dollar money parts? Well, that's true, exactly. There again, you get into the money situation. And, of course, the Touring Outlaw Modified Series, yeah, they've got pretty exotic uh, V8s for sure. Um, and uh, we do, uh, they're all carbureted, of course, no, no injectors allowed or anything of that nature, uh, much like a sprint, you know, the sprint car series or anything or any of the sprints, but uh, they just, they put on a great show. Uh, the rear ends, they are quick change. Uh, they can do that. You can run a nine inch Ford rear end if you want, which is very popular for yep. modified cars has been for years and years. Yeah, you can run them, but it's a little better to go with quick change. Well, anytime you get into things like of that nature, it does get uh, get into the pocketbook and this is where sponsorship is so uh, popular um for not only the race car drivers they have to do their work during the uh, winter months as we all know sponsorship is what helps pay the bills and to go out and get the sponsors well racetracks do the same thing whether it's a pr director or the track owners himself or the track owner's wife herself you know yeah. going out knocking on doors and getting up money and getting back to Abilene, we had to thank uh, a couple of local tremendous sponsors up there, Abilene Race Rads, which I didn't know what they were. Uh, now I have found out. We did a couple of interviews with some of the drivers and their race radiators that have just done an incredible job with their Super Sucker Fan Blades. They've got a four-blade situation that they use uh, in conjunction with their radiators. And these cars being um, on gas, they used to be fuel anymore. No, now they're on gas, Sunoco wow. or one of the other racing fuel companies yeah. and they run hot they can run very hot these guys out in abilene at uh, abilene race rads have figured out a uh, uh real good competitive uh, radiator uh fan shroud and the uh, super sucker fan blade that helps keep these engines cool and the drivers that i interviewed two of them that night were just so happy they even had race rad t-shirts on they were so happy with the yeah. performance of their cars yeah that's awesome so, Brad, talk about yeah. it. I mean, you and I, um, we had some nice discussion there uh, Friday in Waco. Talk about the evolution of this sport. I mean, we've apparently both been at it for a long time. Uh, we have the mutual love for radio and everything that, the, that we talked about. But, I mean, talk, talk about that. I mean, because now it uh, it's a totally different world right now than what it was maybe back in the 90s or prior to that. Well, that's exactly right, Rodney. It just, uh, you know, growing up, my first gig on radio was with a head-banging station uh, out in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I'm originally from. No, I've spent many more years in Texan. I was a Californian by birth, but a Texan by choice. Nice. Uh, thanks to Uncle Sam and the United States Air Force. I got a good taste of what San Antonio was all about and several other bases uh, <laughs> in those days. And then I have a family member. My brother's been here since the early 60s, so I would visit him in the early 60s and we were all motorcycle people at that time we weren't into the dirt tracking scene as far as stock cars or um, sprints the early sprints in those days or the modified cars we were two two wheelers we really enjoyed mm -hmm. so i got a taste of that and then one i got an invite um out to a stock car track there you go again is uh, cowtown speedway in kennedale texas is just a suburb of fort worth and that's uh, next ne next door neighbors now kennedale speedway park ksp and they just Sacked, sock them in there 
from Arlington, uh, Kennedale, Mansfield, of course, Fort Worth, the Dallas uh, area, the whole Metroplex. Yep. Uh, you wouldn't believe the crowds. I don't know what the stands hold. I'm going to guess right at about 3,000, 2,800. They're absolutely almost standing room every Saturday night because it's the only track, dirt track around in that area. And then I live in Boyd, and we've got a little good little dirt track in Boyd Raceway. It's been here since 1981, and I helped. Oh, I painted a few fence posts and weeded <laughs> a little bit, so I guess I could say I <laughs> kind of helped, and I would travel up here and i said you know i kind of like this country living so i moved up here in 82 and uh, to wise county i'm only six miles away from boyd raceway but getting back to your original question which of course i've forgotten but anyway i forgot it too. modified racing <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> the you know when i first walked into heart of texas uh drove into heart of texas and parked in the pits uh, my wife was with me and i heard you come over rodney uh i heard you come over the pa i says oh man that's a radio head if i ever heard one that's gotta be a radio head <laughs> and then we meet each other and go sure enough it's been yeah. years of radio for both of us yeah, so something like that a lot of fun <laughs> absolutely yeah so let's talk about real quick talk about the cowtown days that that was always amazing to me that you had cowtown and kennedale right there together and for years they would both have full pits and full mm -hmm. grandstands that that to me was crazy what what ended up being the downfall of cowtown well it, it was built in 1963 back in those days uh and the the owner that built that racetrack built a quarter mile drag strip right across the street so on saturdays it got real interesting you had ksp running you had cowtown speedway running and you had the drag strip uh, my wireless mic in those days cost 129 dollars i'll never forget it it cost 129 dollars from radio shack the dearly departed oh, radio shack i love it that was, place probably one of the finest wireless mics i've ever had rodney that thing would pick up i would talk to the announcer at the drag strip back and forth we'd sit there and discuss about flat track or short tracking turn left and get dizzy yeah 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 you know he'd give us trouble about dirt tracking oh yeah well you're boring going only an eighth a mile with a clock and blah 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 and it would be funny we'd sit there back and forth with these nothing little old radio shack wireless mics now they have these these incredibly expensive mics they yeah. don't work any better yeah. but yeah. it's fun um but what made it it work is that uh, cowtown did go through quite a few promoters it was the same owners the family still owns the the uh, property right now in fact it's for sale it's very sad the front gates naturally are locked up in fact there are no gates anymore it's just solid steel fence across there mm. um good uh, good fence with a big for sale sign 26 acres for one million dollars which is just chicken um, feed for the location of it in Kennedale, which is so close to, to um, Mansfield, um, Fort Worth, of course, the Metroplex, and Mansfield, Arlington. They're all closing in on this real estate right next door to Kennedale Speedway Park. And um, uh, the problem is, though, I think back in the old days, way back, you can't do it anymore, obviously. The, uh, yeah. um, the, um, the, the, the tree, well, I won't say tree huggers, but yeah, why not? Washington, <laughs> D.C. We're in Austin, my friend. You can say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. It's, it's embraced yeah, that's here. Right. You it's, are it's, it's embraced here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, uh, back in the old days, oh, let's change the oil well, real quick. Okay, there it goes out on the ground. Well, oh, oh, my battery's leaking a little bit. I better get another one. We'll throw that one away. Well, how about the tires? I'll throw it there in the ditch. It'll be all right. right. So there was back in those days, it was pretty easy, pretty relaxed. And, you know, there's other. Uh, no, we lost him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and it was just about to get good. It was just about to get good. My goodness. Hopefully we can uh, pick him back up right there. Man, I, I love what he's talking about right there. That um, dude's been around a while. <laughs> it sounds like. Let's see if we can get him back up here. 
But, uh, yeah, that is Brad Crane talking uh, Tom's Touring Outlaw Modified Series. And I was messing up on, on Friday because I kept saying Texas Outlaw Modified Well, it series. used to be. I know. It used to I know. be. Yeah. And he, he corrected me. He's like, uh, no, not anymore. He said, we, uh, we're everywhere now. Yeah, I mean, everywhere now. I mean, they run all over. Uh, you know, we, we got to get John Webb on this show. He's an old TIDA racer, uh, did some Romco stuff. We need to get John on this show. He's got a little bit of asphalt background and a whole lot of dirt background, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that would be really good stuff right there if we can uh, really dial this thing in and, and, and get some of that uh, – some of that, uh, some of that old school stuff right there, because that's uh, that's what I'm liking. So let let's try this one more time. See if we can get Brad Crane. Of course, uh, we're dealing with the weather over here too at the same time, so mm-hmm. that, 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 that's not helping. But uh, we'll try this one more time. Try dialing Brad here. Right? Let's, let's do this. And he, if, if anybody understands live radio, he does. Yeah, we're gonna let you hear the dial tone. We're gonna let you hear the ringing. We're gonna let you hear it. Thank you oh. for calling. I'm away from the phone oh. right now. Please leave oh, look at that. Live radio blues. You want to you wanna bet he's dialing us as well? I, I'm sure he is. I, I'm sure he is. So we'll we'll try one. I want to finish that story. Man, that was getting to be good. That was about to be really Thank good. Thank you for calling. Oh, this guy. This guy. Maybe it was his phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you never know when it comes down to these cell phones. Every once in a while, we take them for granted when they work, and then when they don't work, it's like, what the hell, man? What, yeah. what, what's going on? Stupid cell phones. That, that's the funny thing. You know, it, it's like, you remember back in the old days when you had to find a pay phone? I mean, I remember having, I remember having the pager. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Remember the pager, and then you, then remember, you had to find the pay phone? Oh, man. I remember the girls. Or, I mean, people would send me, like, um, like numerical codes. Oh, yeah. And it was yeah. like, whatever. This means this. Eight, Only I knew. Eight oh, double oh. eight double oh eight five. That's they, right. They they knew. I mean the 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 person sending it knew, and I knew what that code meant. But uh, that was that was neat. <laughs> <laughs> you had to haul ass, go find a payphone. Hopefully you had some change. That uh, yeah that 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 was uh, uh, not a good thing. Let's try it again. Back to the hotline, Brad. You there? Nope. <laughs> We're leaving a long message right there for Brad. I don't know, man. That, that. Dang it. Ah. Hate it when that happens. Hate it when that happens. But, yeah, the pager thing. Yeah, that uh, Pinky's Pagers in Austin. Go pay night. Was it Ralph Burris had HP, HP paging, Houston paging, or whatever yeah, it was back yeah. in the day? Whatever that was. A good old Alpha day. paging. The good old days of the pager. Yeah, that was... Man, that's. Right uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's happening here. We'll uh, we'll call that good. But uh, yeah, yeah. Dang it, I remember that. Remember, and I remember. So I had a black pager. You remember you had the black pager with the with the, the the casing like like this. Then you you could buy a pager that was all clear. Mm-hmm, remember, mm-hmm. see all the guts on all that. That was cool. I remember that. I remember. I used to have one of the Primeco phones when they first started. When they first came Primeco. out with the, with the little alien. <laughs> I have one of the little Primeco phones. That thing cost like. At the time, it was really expensive because it cost like you know three hundred dollars. Of course, yeah, now, yeah, nowadays yeah, yeah. a three hundred dollar phone is, I mean, shit. A three hundred dollar phone's a, a horrible one, like a generic ass one. Shit, I remember, dude. I, I was one of the one of my first. Uh, I mean, all my friends were like jealous of me because I had a buddy that gave me one of the bag phones. You know, with with the oh, that's with, right, yeah, yeah, bag phones. Yeah, I had a had a buddy that gave me a bag phone. And I'd go rolling up, you know, and, and, and I would do this on purpose. You know, we, we'd have like a Friday night, you know, we're going to the South 40 or whatever it was. 
and I'd show up in my Ford Ranger and damn thing didn't even have a, a, a cell provider. And I'd roll up to the, to the South 40 and I'd be like, just be holding it like this, <laughs> you know? And they're like, dude, what the hell? What the hell, man? You, you're a high roller, man. You, you're all fancy coming up here in a car phone. I'm like car phone in a bag. Sitting there, not connected, with no service because I can't afford it. It's crazy. I mean, and it was those phones were huge too. It was like Dude, a small suitcase. Those things, and I think my dad still has my first bag phone, and and probably my first flip phone. One of the many things that dad has a bunch of. I found that, my that I found my out. flip phone, but I can't find a charger for it to turn it on. Uh, I'd like to get some pictures off of it, but I don't know. Oh, I can't find a pictures of what. Race cars. Race cars, monster trucks, um, other things. Monstrous trucks. Yeah. <laughs> things that things that we used to get paged about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you got the secret code. When you got the secret code, that was the stuff of uh, yeah. Yeah. Check your check your flip phone. Two thousand and five, man. That was back in the day. You could you know, just a real quick it was a grainy ass picture, but remember when the razor when the razor came out? I had that, one of those. That's what I, that's what dude, it is. I have a razor that I'm trying to get the trying to get the pictures off of. Dude, when that razor came out, that was like, oh man, Motorola could not be stopped. I mean, everybody had a Motorola razor. Oh man, Motorola, that's old school, man. One eighty three Ed Bluestein, the old days out there, the old plant. And out- then they had the ones with the little ones with the changeable face. Those were Motorola <laughs> phones right. too, weren't they? That's right. I I, I think they were. It, it's so funny now the, the way that uh, everything comes back around, you know, because some of the some of the retro stuff, which I, I would never think that you and I being well, you're younger than I am, but all of that is retro now, and it's like shit. Do they say retro is in thirty years ago, twenty thirty years ago? I'm thinking like 1970. Thirty years ago is 1992, buddy. Dude, I used to sit back and and, and I would watch. Old, listen to old music or whatever, and now we, you know, we have uh, we have MTV the the video channel, whatever it is. They still show videos on that MTV channel. My wife and I sit back and we watch this, and it's like, shit. You remember them? Watching- <laughs> I remember when that came out. It wasn't even Total Request Live. It was with Adam. What the hell was that guy's name with the big fluffy hair? Adam um- Wagner. Oh no, that's. <laughs> Yeah, different act. That's different, that's the wrong guy. What was that? The blonde haired guy. They used to be on with downtown Julie Brown. Downtown Julie Brown. But remember, she she does the nineties on nine on Sirius XM now. So do you remember Remote Control? All of those shows. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember re- Remote Control. I remember I would haul ass from school to get home to watch the MTV Video Countdown Top Twenty Videos. Every damn day, and it was the same ones all the time. Maybe at the at the top, you know, maybe it would change around. You know, first or second would flip around. But damn, where does time go, my man? What what the hell happens? Mark Goodman was that the guy's name? Oh, Nina Nina right. Blackwood. That's right. That's right. All right, I think we got him quickly because we have to jump off for our next guest. Brad, finish that story, my man. We got you. All right, maybe we don't. <laughs> That's oh. smooth, smooth, smooth. I'm trying to find it. I've I've got it pulled up here. Yeah, yeah. All good, all good. 
Ricky Ware Jr. coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk to him about all the old uh, good stuff there with uh, San Antonio as we recount MTV. MTV. Good videos back in those days. It was Mark Goodman. Well, he's on that on their channel too, isn't he? He's on mm-hmm. the 80s. He's on the 80s. You had uh, Martha oh, Quinn. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That one. That one. That's the one. That's one of the first ladies that I was like, my heart would just uh, pump peanut butter looking at her. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love that girl. I loved her. Uh, and then Nina Blackwood. Nina Blackwood, Nina yeah. Nina Blackwood. But no, Martha Quinn. Adam Curry. That's the dude I'm thinking Adam of right here. Curry. That dude. Adam. Uh, there he is. Yep. That's the guy right there. That's the guy right there. You're going to the hotline again, and, and this guy's like, what in the hell are these guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but he probably knows who we're talking about. This is cool. Texas Legends, we are talking hashtag real race talk on the hotline. It is my man, Ricky Ware Jr. Ricky Jr., how we doing, sir? All right. How are you doing, Rodney? Man, I'm doing well, sir. Thank you for taking the time, and, and, and thank you for jumping on this show because uh, th- this is going to be a lot of fun. I think this is going to oh, yeah. be a whole hell of a lot of fun. So, uh, Ricky, t- t- talk about um, just the family history. I mean, your your dad, I mean, that, that's the guy. That's the blueprint. I, I mean, that's the one that people oh, need man. to go back and watch that and figure out how to run a damn racetrack even right now in 2022 give us a give us a whole synopsis of the uh of the Ware family tree of how this all started well Rodney it kind of started back in the back in the early 60s dad drove a car for many years at the old Austin Highway Pan American Speedway and then uh uh it was built out on Topper One Road off of I-35 and uh he was uh, very actively involved with helping promote a lot of the, the races out there. And then he had the opportunity to purchase the track, I want to say, in about mile 67, 68, somewhere in there. And then he jumped at it. And so he became a racetrack owner in, in San Antonio. And then we rented or leased the one in Austin, called it Paramount Austin Speedway. Yep. Had land to build one in Houston, but that didn't work out uh, at the time. Race Friday and Saturday night. So, well, obviously, I grew up at the racetrack. My family did. My brother Trey Ware mm-hmm. uh, did. My sister Shaylin. We just kind of all grew up at the racetrack. And Dad stuck me in a in a uh, race car, or actually a quarter midget, when I was about five years old, <laughs> and that's how I got started, oh, and uh, just raced for many many years uh, in all different divisions. I was very fortunate to have good equipment, uh, very fortunate to to have fast cars, uh, and got to run on a national level for a few several years. I say that probably let's say one, two, three, six years. And uh, just had a lot of fun at it. Yeah. So talk about those USAC days, man. I keep seeing pictures of the Camaro that, that just looks so mean and so just brilliantly put together with the gym sponsorship and the BFI sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Talk, what do you remember about racing those USAC cars? And then I think you even did some racing there at Texas World in that car, didn't you? Yeah, we sure did. We sure did. That was uh, the, the racetrack here in San Antonio was open until 1978. And at that time, they obviously, Eddie Beerswald and I have talked about it. We've talked to Dale Jr. about it. And, and uh, you know, they, they 
there was a division of the racers at that point, and half of them went out there, half of them stayed at Pan American Speedway, and it just wasn't good overall for the sport, if you will. But we ended up just going ahead and shutting the track down at that point because there were a lot of how uh, there was a lot of housing starting to build right right next to us as well. Knew that that was going to be an issue in the future. So in 1979. We looked at it strong and hard. We decided to go with USAC stock car racing mm-hmm. uh, up in the Midwest. And uh, we were very fortunate. A, a lot of the local people wanted to get on board uh, as sponsors, and we got a car together. We had an extremely uh, good year that first year. Um, of course, I, had, I got my feet wet. You mentioned it at Texas World Speedway at College Station. That was a real initiation. But after that, we started running not only uh, super speedways, but also short tracks, obviously, which is what I grew up on. And we ended up finishing, we actually won one race that year in Sherville, Indiana. Love it. And then we went on to uh, finish seventh in the points nationally that year. Uh, had a really good year. We ran against Rusty Wallace for Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Although Rusty finished fourth in points and won the Rookie of the Year, uh, we were uh, voted Sportsman of the Year nice. uh, for just being making all the races from Ontario, California to Trenton, New Jersey, and anything else in between. And then in 1980, we did that uh, that same. Although we missed three or four races that year, we still had a very, very good year. But unfortunately, the USAC stock cars kind of started declining a little bit. Yeah. Um, in 79, you know, we had AJ and we had Bobby Allison and we, you know, we had Ken Schrader and Dick Trickle and, and Alan Kowicki and Davey Allison would come run some races with us. And, you know, we had a lot of big names. But then shortly after that, the, in the 80, 1980 season, it started going downhill. And a gentleman by the name of Bob Harmon started the All-Pro Racing Association down in the southeastern part of the United States. Yep. So a lot of us, including Davey and, and, and others, uh, we decided we were going to go start running the All-Pro circuit, which was basically on quarter and half mile and five-eighths mile track tracks all throughout the the southeastern portion of the United States, a little closer to the NASCAR country, if you will, or is NASCAR country. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did for, uh, you know, two to three years after that and had a lot of fun doing it. Don't forget about the man himself, Fast Freddie Fryer during those days. (laughs) He would show up. Oh, my gosh. Freddie and I had some wheel-to-wheel and bumper-to-bumper races. He was fantastic there's no doubt about that oh, uh, but we all took our turns running up front and ha- and had a good time doing it and we're still here to, i'm still here to talk about it anyway <laughs> that's right, that's right. So, so ricky talk about that i mean because i i got to see the aggieland 250 and and all those usac races i mean for you guys how much of a culture shock was it for you i mean talking about some of the guys i mean even joe rutman bob brevac i mean all these guys that would get out there and race with you guys you were honed on the short tracks and then you jump into those USAC stock cars which I wish we had something like that right now which which was that really was to me a good uh, feeder series I mean for all of you guys because the talent was incredible you guys were short track guys 
and you jump on and you're racing in Ontario at in Brian and all these places it, it, that had to have been uh, like what what the hell did I sign up for right here like like, like a duck out of water you know the the actual you know the thing about it is the straightaway speeds although much more significant that's not the big thing the big thing is you know on short tracks as you know Rodney, running cars there as mm-hmm. you did mm-hmm. you run down an old turn and you back off the throttle you kind of get on the brake you get the car set stab the throttle and drive it out the other end yeah well the first time i did that at texas world that first practice i almost got run over <laughs> you know and so you know, then I learned you got to run down in there and you really don't even need the brakes. You just easing off the throttle and easing back onto the throttle, uh, mm-hmm. until, you know, you get to that point where you feel like, uh oh, that's it. You know, yeah. that, that's, that's the point right there. And I tell you, that very first race I ran up there, uh, qualifying was rained out and we, we got a provisional. We got a promoter's provisional. We came up and I, AJ won it. We finished 17th, I believe, that time. And then in, I don't remember what we did. They had two races a year back then, yep. one at the beginning of the year and one at the end of the year. Yep. We went back in the early part. I think it was 80. Maybe it was, it was either late in in 79 or it was the first or it was the first race in 1980 we actually ran really well and and passed uh uh almost everybody on the track and we came in for our last pit stop with about 38 laps to go something like that and when you know back then, if you remember, there were no pit road speeds. That's right. You know, just hauled ass. In or That's right. Yeah, I That's mean, right. You just hauled ass as fast as you could. And I got down there. We had a good pit stop. We got fuel in the car. But unfortunately, the guy right in front of me had just pitted, and he had fuel everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I buzzed it, uh, leaving the pits, and threw a rocker arm off, and it ended up running that last half of the race on seven cylinders and still finished fourth. That's amazing. There's no doubt. I think we would have won that race. And, you know, that could have been the, that could have been the stepping stone, you know, to get the attention of some of those NASCAR owners over there. But it, it just, the cards weren't played right. You know, it just didn't happen. Yeah. And and everything happens for a reason. and, And it just didn't happen that day. But I really felt, that, you know, that third time on that track, okay, we got this, we can do this. And the, uh, Terry Ryan won that race, yeah. and we had passed him twice already. I Number think 81. So, Remember that car? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Number 81. Beautiful yeah. Hutchison Pagan car. Yeah, it was. And we'd already, you know, that was our race, and we lost it on pit road, believe it or not. Of course, I knew something had fallen off on the car a little bit, but we didn't know what had broken until after the race. And then we, you know, pulled the valve cover and saw that that rock arm came off and immediately threw it about as far as we could throw it. Because <laughs> we knew that we had a few choice words for of that rock arm. Of course. But anyway, that, uh, but that was all before rev limiters. You know, that's right. So a, a lot of this stuff has come a long, long, long way. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had a lot of fun running that USAC stock car. And then we went over and, and did well with uh, 
running against uh, oh we had so much fun too you talk about growing up yeah as a as a kid running over there with all pro guys and you're talking about you know the jody ridley's and the neil bonnets oh. and the uh, billy mcginnis, McGinnis. and, and yeah. you know yeah. rusty coming down there uh rusty wallace and, and and i mean there was just and you know it's not just the racing part of it we were you know, when we strapped in those cars, you know, you turned into a different person, you know, yeah. like an Earnhardt did, you know, back in the day. But man, we were we were good friends off the track, you know, and and it, it was great to make those those friendships that I did over there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and uh, all part racing was good. We did well there, <clears throat> and then uh, I broke my neck. Uh, the first time in 1983. Wait, the late first time. 83. It happened twice. It happened twice. The first time oh wasn't my. bad. The, the first time was a stuck throttle and somebody oiled down the track out there at Highway 16 and ended up getting on my head and I and I had a stress fracture in my neck. Mm. And then uh, we decided, you know what? Uh, I got two kids to raise and I need to I need to chill out here. And so we went and we started running the TIDA pony pro cars yeah, yeah and that was a lot of fun won three championships in five years in those cars that dotson 510 uh, that neil upchurch used to talk about oh man yeah neil <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whether he liked that car or hated that car but oh we, it made him ricky we had him on here he did not like that car <laughs> he did no, not no, like no, that no. car <laughs> no and the reason for it was we was because we made him rewrite the rule book about every year because you know i don't read the rules to see what's in them i'm a real racer i read the rule book to see what they left out (laughs) and then i'm gonna take advantage of it baby you know awesome and and so that's uh that's what we did so yeah neil and i and and, you know (laughs) we kind of he he didn't like that car too much at all and so uh, and then finally in, in 88, I sold that car, built a really trick little open wheel asphalt modified car, mm. much like they, they run on the East coast, a little bit smaller tires. Yeah. And then won the first night and then week two, August 26, 1987, uh, 1989, not so good. And yeah. that, you remember the date. Yeah. Remember the date. Remember the time. Remember almost everything about it. I don't remember anything about the wreck, believe it or not, and I still don't to this day. Ricky, I was there so, the night that happened, and and the the thud. Um, I'll never forget that. It, it was my goodness when you hit the fence. It's like that's not good. Not good. You know. You are one of about a hundred people that have told me that. So it must have been one hell of a thud. And if I was going to go out, that's the way to go out. One hell of a thud. I mean, maybe that's what I should change my nickname to. Hell of a thud. Or something. I don't know. Because it must have been. Oh, man, I'll never forget that. So, that was that was Man, horrible. I tell you what. And I was very fortunate. You know, that the, the San Antonio Speedway had a great group of Folks out there, they did exactly what they were supposed to do and get me out of the car because, you know, if they'd have twisted or turned me in any direction, I would have been paralyzed. 
Yeah. And uh, so that just goes to show you, and, and, and I mentioned this at the awards banquet afterwards, that, you know, don't, don't, when you're building that car, don't chinch on it. Don't put too many bars on it. You make it too stiff, and then all of a sudden the driver absorbs everything and the car doesn't. Right. But if it calls for one and you think it needs to have a bar in there for safety or, you know, do it, you know, and the crews, everybody should go up and, and thank their crews at all of their local short tracks, yeah. because I guarantee you they're going to do the best job they can possibly do if you need them. I guarantee it. That's right. That's so, right. So it, you know, I had a good long career. If you, if you think about, you know, from the age of five to the age of, you know, 30 years old, I had a great career racing and mm-hmm. won a lot of races. I was very fortunate, but it was the, that was it. That was the time to step back because at the time the doctor had said that, you know what, man, that was bad. That yeah. was real bad. Yeah. And I think you probably ought to step back if it at all possible. So yeah. we did it. Yeah. We stepped back. But I still watch every single week. I watched Talladega yesterday. I watched, you know, you you, you know, you can't ever get it out of your blood. So <laughs> No shit on you that. Know, well, man, no, that, you know, I don't miss all the midnight hours. Yeah, I don't miss, you know, doing that, getting up at 5 o'clock and going to work in the morning and all that. But I sure miss driving, bolting down in and buckling up in one of those babies and giving it a ride. There's no doubt about that. Tell me about it. So, Ricky, we yep. talked to, we've talked to Freddie Fryer on here. We've talked to Greg Davidson on mm. here, Brandon Benelli. Mm. Talked to a bunch of the guys that were super fast in San Antonio and Highway 16. What mm-hmm. was your What was your favorite line to get around there? Because we asked the same question to the, to the big dogs over there. Nobody gives us mm-hmm. the same answer. Everybody has a different line that made them fast in, at Highway 16. Man, I tell you what, that's a great question. And I'm going to tell you something. Back in the early 80s, when I was also running a, a little bit of USAC and I was starting to, to run all pro, uh, I had a, got another car and we had a short track car that we were running here. And man, you talk about some races. When you got Rick Rapp, Slick oh. Yeomans, you know, and, and you got Freddie Fryer and, and myself, yeah. you know, and and all these folks lined up, and Greg Davidson, I mean, from anywhere from anybody on the pole back to, you know, about 12th, 15th could win that race. And you talk about getting it on, baby. Hell I yeah. Mean, mm-hmm. Those were the good old days. But you know what? Every week was a little different how you get in that track. And, you know, I tended to diamond the track a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's just the way my cars were set up. And, and I think a lot of it was me in that I tried to run the, my, my dad taught me a, a long time ago, and this is what I tr- did on short tracks, run that car as deep as you can. Every time you go in that turn, run it deeper and deeper and deeper until you lose it. Yeah. And then you'll know exactly how far. Well, at San Antonio, the high banks obviously helped you out, but I tended to run the car in very deep, and as a result, it would kind of wash up a little bit, mm-hmm. but that's okay. You get the old car turned and pointed, and, and it was a drag race down the, the, you know, the next straightaway. And that's because those turns are really, are, were really narrow out there at Highway 16. Yeah, Real are. long straightaways, 
turns were narrow, uh, didn't quite have the radius. You know, if we'd have taken yep. a little bit out of those straightaways and made the turns a yep. little bit wider, that track would have been really, really, really fast. And uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't built that way. You kind of had to almost park it a little bit in the turns before you could get it pointed. It was kind of like, uh, uh, you know, it was a half mile version of Longhorn Speedway or you know the old Paramount Austin Speedway as yeah. they called it. You mm-hmm. run down in there and you got to get the old car stopped, almost turned, and then get pointed down the the next straightaway. Yeah. But uh, that's the way San Antonio was built. But I'm going to tell you something. Good God, when you got when you got a Rick Rap or you you got a Slick Gilmans or or you got a Greg Davidson or or uh, even a Hubert Bean or anybody. I mean, and they're on your inside and you're running up in there and you're looking at their right front, right in your door, and you're going, <laughs> hmm, how's this going to work out, baby? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about some. And and me, I'm just you know, I'm still a kid at this. And yeah. I'm like, Holy. Smokes, man! How? But anyway, yeah. I tell you what, I learned a lot, uh, and we, you know, we we won some, and, uh, but we all did out there yeah. because the competition was so dadgum fierce. Yeah, you know, yeah. it boiled down there uh, for a while that it was everybody was putting maximum effort into qualifying because you wanted to qualify up front. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to qualify. You know, if you qualified tenth, twelfth, you you were you weren't going to win it. Not with you know, other guys like that, that field in front of you on the racetrack. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Hell of a field. Ricky, I, I do want yeah. to talk about, I mean, l- let's talk about your dad. I mean, because we, we were talking sure. about, I mean, he was, I mean, seriously, he was, he, um, I, I wish he would have written a book for race promoters right now because it's so funny. The things that he did back in those days, it's what people need to be doing right now. I mean, from the placement of, of having the smokestacks on the damn concession stand to get people to buy hamburgers. I mean, let them smell yep. that stuff. Let, let them get out there. He, he You know, a, a radio guy that got out there and he would just build this thing up. He was, uh, my goodness, that. Uh, well, t- talk about that you know, part of, of, of Ricky Ware Sr. Yeah, you know, that part, and you're right, Rodney, that comes from the, from the radio stuff. But it also was the fact that his uh, view of a racetrack was we're here to put a, a show on for the fans. Mm. Racers, yeah, we got to have some good racing. But you know what? I'm going to put good people around me as pit stewards, flag people, general manager, scorers, and the like. And I'm going to concentrate on putting on one hell of a show for these yep. people. And, 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 and not only that, but he wanted – the other thing that he wanted to do was he wanted to put on a show not for just the, the dad in the family, but he wanted dad to bring mom, and he wanted to bring kids and go to the Pee Wee Pit Stop. And, and, you know, it was a family deal. He wanted to get the families on Saturday night. Yep. And so – you know, and for many years, back in, in the early and mid-70s, he was invited to Daytona many times to talk at the promoters' workshops about, because 
other promoters were hearing exactly what was going on down here, and they were like, you, what? Huh? How you, you got guys parachuting in the racetrack? <laughs> I mean, you know, and he's like, yeah, oh, hell yeah, I got people parachuting in, and like oh, you were talking man. about, I got I got a smoker right in front of the front gate because when those people walk in, <laughs> I want them smelling that and stopping and getting them a, a racer, you know, the racer fries and a, and a, yeah. and a sausage and, yeah. and a cold beer, and I'm going up in the stands, and guess what? I got them started already. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that his main deal was putting on a show for the fans, especially on race night. You know, that was just what it was all about. And it was about promotions, putting on that show, uh, racers, you know, and it took a while for the racers to get used to that because for sure. years, other promoters had been about the racers, you know, oh, well, you know, they're the uh, four minutes, 10 minutes late for getting in their car and getting out there for the race hell we'll wait for him and all that kind of stuff you know no his deal was you know what you better be in line you got 30 seconds after the last car goes out we're going to shut the gate and after that it's time to go racing because i don't want the people sitting that's right you know we got to put on a show for him and you know many racers Big name racers, Buddy Jurgens, Bubba Storbeck, all those guys back in the day, they got caught at the gate. And they didn't they, and they missed the race or two, you know, until they learned. You know what? Ricky Ware, he ain't kidding, man. He's gonna bust our butts on this stuff. So Love it. Love anyway, it. he that's 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 what it was all about the show. Yeah. And if more promoters would take up take on that and the other thing I think there's just too many different classifications of cars i think you need them but you know the dirt tracks today that are out that we have uh, around south texas and central texas there's just a lot of different types of cars and and i would i would personally like to see uh, you know maybe three maybe three classes of cars but i don't see where you need five and six classes of cars you know whatever to, you know, if they can afford a, a one, they might be able to afford the other one just a little bit if the rules are, are written closely, you know, mm-hmm. and get the car counts up for each class yeah. because that's what makes good, good, good racing. You know, when you got six, eight cars out there, okay, it can be a good race, but you know what? If you got 20 out there, it's going to be a hell of a race, yeah, man. you know, that type deal. And so I think, you know, I think that, some of the tracks around here are doing a good job. Some of them aren't doing a good job. And I still try to, to go out to, to some of them. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to name names. No, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. We have our list, I, too. So. Yeah, yeah. I still try to make a tracker, you know, or, or a couple every year. And so I get to see it, too. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but anyway, that's just, <clears throat> that's just me. <laughs> So, you know, uh, what? But again, you got to put on a show for the fans. That's what it's about, That's and right. the amenities. You know, if you can make the amenities nice for the fans, and mm-hmm. where they really enjoy, I don't want to go out there and walk in. You know, it's been raining earlier, and I know they got races now. But it's, you know, everything's gonna be muddy under the stands and all that. <laughs> that. Nah, people don't like that stuff. That's you right. You know, make it nice for them, and they'll they'll still come out. That's they'll right. Still come out. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, man, you guys are doing a great job, man. Y'all had all kinds of people on the show, and and I appreciate you guys and all you do for the sport. I tell you what, I really do. 
Because wow. I'm still a big advocate of the sport. I just I would wish we had a little bit more of it and a little more sponsors involved and that kind of thing. Yeah, we obviously in the in the area. Got got to keep it going. Got to keep it going. R- yeah, Ricky, Ricky I, I got to ask you because you you were on the on Lost Speedways. I did the Texas World one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think with yep. San Antonio, I, man, I wish they'd have had like an hour and a half to really dig into that thing. Break that thing I down. Do uh, break that thing down. I mean, when all that happened, I mean, maybe it was something that had to happen. There were underlying factors right there, but that, that transition from Pan American to when highway 16 came to came, came to pass. I mean, I know Don had his people there. It sucked for you guys, but man, that that had to be uh, <laughs> your thoughts on all that. I mean, other than than well, what, what we saw on, on Lost Speedways. Well, there was a there was a lot to it, you know. Um, a lot of the guys, uh, or half the guys, let's just put it that way, kind of yeah. they wanted, you know, more of NASCAR, if you will. Mm. And at that time, NASCAR wasn't all that friendly to work with if you if you will uh-huh. again that's for sure um back then because my dad had obviously talked to him uh we had an arca race at the racetrack at one time uh but but nascar was a, was a different deal and you know they would um uh they were pretty demanding of exactly what they wanted and why and how mm-hmm. much money they wanted for every race and that sort of thing and but a lot of the drivers were wanting to go to a, to a half mile from a quarter mile track and go a little faster. And I can understand that. Hell, I'm a racer. I'm, <laughs> I can understand that. I'm all with that. Yeah. Uh, and Don Beerswall was one of them. He was certainly wanting to go NASCAR. And, and, and so him and my dad, they got sideways, obviously. <laughs> and Don went out there. You know, it's funny because Eddie and I drink drink beer and, and eat barbecue and do all kinds of – we're good friends, now, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and have been. But Don and my dad just – they got sideways. They went out there and started that racetrack, and as I mentioned earlier, it just kind of split the racers, if you will. Yeah. Split them in half. And when that happens, that's just really not good for the sport. And it just – you know, we had – we still had uh, really good – uh, cast and crew out at San Antonio, uh, San Antonio at Pan American, but Highway 16 did it did as well. And as I mentioned, um, you know, yeah, it, it, did it get ugly at some points? Yeah, it got ugly, but you know that's that kind of thing is going to happen. But San Antonio at the time was is not big enough to support two racetracks. That's right. It's simply not going to happen. And as I said, you know, when, when dad really thought about it and, and as Live Oak continued to grow mm. and all that area out there around Topper Wine Road continued to grow, we had already started getting some rebuff on, on the exhaust and, you know, the, deep, the decibels and it was Noise. loud and yeah. this and that and the other and and so anyway, and there were some um, gentlemen all were already making runs at him with wanting to buy the land uh, to develop it, just like, they, you know, it happens everywhere all the time. And, you know, it just so happens they made a run at him with a, a, a magnificent sell price. Sure. You know, which ended up, you know, like that said, that's, 
that's kind of my retirement money right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I'm you going. Know, <laughs> you know, I'm in a radio business. It's not really a retirement, but, you know, I've done well. I've done great and all that. But, you know, they made a run at him. And at the time, he said, uh, I think we're just going to go ahead and shut it down because I don't think the sport is going to be any good for the sport, you mm-hmm. know, with, with two different racetracks and running the same nights and yeah. split racers, split sponsors, where do you go? All of that. I mean, he looked at not just the racing aspect part of it, but he was also, again, looking at the, you know, the financial part of it, the sponsor part of it, all of it put together. And he's like, you know, heck with it. Mm -hmm. And sold it. And then we ended up, you know, shortly thereafter, um, went to, well, (laughs) here's the funny thing. (laughs) And I'll tell you what happened with me getting a a USAC stock car. I had just... Graduated high school in 78, and so mom was hell-bent that I was going to go to college. <laughs> and so and my dad was looking at her and me like, mm-hmm, well, watch and see what the hell happens here. So I went one semester and dropped two out of five classes, I think. My man. Uh, before I knew, knew what happened. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I told my mom and dad, I said, you know, Oh, well, Danny, I, this college stuff, I'm not sure. But I finished out the semester and, and all that good stuff. And, and the next thing I know, there were a meeting was called and with my dad and BFI, the garbage folks mm-hmm. that were my sponsor at the time, and mm-hmm. Jim's and Handy Dan back then. <laughs> I and, love that. And a bunch of them, they, just, they decided. My dad had talked to him, and, and he flat told my mom, you know, Honey, he's miserable. He is miserable going to school. He just wants to work on cars and race. And and so we did in 1979. We went out to California and picked up a uh, – it was funny because uh, we picked up a Speedway engi- – a Frank Denny Speedway engineering chassis out there about two weeks after Rutman did. Oh, nice. And so Rutman and I were the only two Speedway engineering cars uh, that were that were running off the West Coast. And uh, went and got a car out there, brought it home, worked on winter, and finished it up, and got it ready for the first race, which was at Texas World Speedway. And and from there we went to Ontario. Boy, that's another story. Oh. You know, <clears throat> that first that first track, that first time we ran at Texas World, we finished the race. Everything's great. Finished seventeenth. Cars in one piece looks good. Tastes great. Less filling. Let's go to Ontario. <laughs> you know. And so we load up and we go to Ontario oh, and we get somewhere out in the middle of the Arizona desert and the trailer breaks an axle off. Oh, so, shit. You know, it's, we are out there with rattlesnakes looking for the axle and we got that damn thing found and <laughs> welded back on and got to Ontario, unloaded the car, and then I unscrew a spark plug so they can do a check on it before mm-hmm. go through tech, you know. Yeah. And it, what's happened? It's just peeing water all over the uh, spark plug hole. And I said, you're kidding me. We drove up. And, and we didn't even have a backup motor at the time. We were <sighs> just, that was it for us. I mean, it, we were scratching everything we had. And I, you know, you know what hurt bad, though? What's that? Is, uh, well, we started pulling. Might as well pull the motor out. It's broke, guys. So we're pulling the motor out of the car, and I'm walking around with my head down. And I walk by AJ Foyt's eighteen wheeler, and he's got four spares oh. sitting in there. <laughs> and and I couldn't, you know, it's like, hmm, do I? Do I not? Yeah. And so 
I had met him, you know, and yeah. talked to him and that kind of stuff. And believe it or not, that's the first time I met and had a conversation with Mark Martin as well. Wow. Mark's dad had shipped him out there to run that race too. And, and, uh, he was going to drive for, uh, I can't remember who he was driving for at the time in the USAC car. And Mark and I were just walking around the pits and kind of found each other, and that's where we first met at. Wow. But um, it was uh, exciting times. We ended up finding an engine out there, got it in the car, worked all night long, somehow or another, without any practice, because we missed practice. Yeah. We were able to qualify for the race, and how the hell, I don't know. Nah. <laughs> because I, I, I really don't. The first time I drove it down in turn turn one, up four turns, because as you, you remember, Ontario was, ju- is, was yep. just like Indianapolis. Yep, Indianapolis so of the West. I, yep, yep. I had never been on anything like that in my life. So, I, you know, here you go down this long, long front straightaway, and, you, and then you go into turn one, and you're – yeah, I didn't have no idea how deep to go, <laughs> what to do. Yeah, the car drifted out to the wall. It come back in. I got, somehow or another, I made two laps around there and got it in the field. I don't, I don't know, but we did. That's crazy. And uh, ended up spinning out twice in that race and didn't didn't finish all that well because of that. I mean, yeah. you lose. You know, when you're in a pack and all of a sudden uh you'll lose just how deep you get into those turns and you got to be pretty precise to get in those turns when you got four straightaways and four turns we still finished the race cars in one piece and then then the very next race was at milwaukee wisconsin and milwaukee wisconsin was very good to me i have to say that Mm -hmm. um no i finished seventh that very first race our third race in usac up there in Milwaukee, and that was that was a huge race because that had every about every name in it you'd want to have in it up there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I can do this. You yeah. know, yeah. we get we. I'm not good on the on the super speedways yet, obviously because I've never been there. But now we start. That was a one mile. Milwaukee was. We got on the one miles or the, the half miles. Then I uh, then I could run with them. Yeah. You know, and I knew I could, and I had, I earned. I earned that respect from the, the other guys, but I also got that confidence, you know, that, okay, we can do this. We can mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. And, and so that, that helped tremendously. And like I said, we ended up finished seventh in points nationally. We even, I even ran my first dirt track that year. And I had no <laughs> idea what the hell I was doing. You know, Springfield, Illinois, a one mile dirt track flat. What the hell? It, it like, was the worst. Where's the pavement? The worst yeah. You know, it's not horsepower. This is, track was built for horses. But that's right. And That's right. Thoroughbred. You know, so that was an all-new experience there. And, and uh, well, of course, A.J. Foyt showed us how to, to run course. that track. But, of course. You know, I think he lapped the whole, the whole field by two or three laps that day. It was crazy. He just. Oh. He knew exactly what he was doing, but oh, we had none had any idea. <laughs> so yeah, that was funny. Oh, dirt, Dad! Oh yeah, man, dirt! You just oh chunk that car down in there, stand on the just side, stand on it, it. <laughs> turn right, you can do it. You know, famous last words. Man. Famous yeah, last words. Show word. us what you got. That's you right. Know, yeah. Buckle him back. Balls yeah, to the like, wall. Okay, Balls yeah, to the yeah, wall. Well, that's, that's yeah, exactly well, I right. had to remind him. I said, Dad, you ran a lot of dirt. I understand that. But you never ran a one-mile dirt. And do you know how fast you're chunking that car down into the turn? 
you know? Oh, so it, it was pretty interesting, you oh. know? It's kind of like watching those those cup boys at Bristol last year, you know, or, or even some of them this year, the kippy towing around there, even yeah, yeah, yeah. their cup guys, you know, they're still trying to drive it like it's an asphalt track instead of driving it in there and chunking mm. it like you're supposed to and steering it out. That's so, right. Oh, yeah. crazy times. But, you know, I, I wouldn't trade any of it. I didn't do college. I did that one semester. That was it. But I, I had, you know, a racing team. I had two cars and then it was four motors and I had, you know, some employees and, you know, that was my college education, man. Hard knocks, but I guarantee you, I probably learned just as much about real world as people that did go to college for four years, you know? That's right. And, And that's what my dad knew would help me most instead of going and sitting behind the desk and doing the book works and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. he knew it. He knew what was the right thing for me. Yep. That's right. So, so Rick, yep. I got, I got to ask you here. So you, you keep up with the sport now and you keep up with the modern day stuff back, I guess mm-hmm. in the late eighties, early nineties, when TIDA was hot and heavy, we had two, two tracks there in Oklahoma. We had twin cities there in Odessa. We had Corpus, and we had Longhorn, uh, you know, we had all yep. these all these racetracks all around Texas, and we thought we'd never have it any better. Now we have mm-hmm. one track in Houston that's doing good to get four races in. It's going to end up getting three races in for the 2022 season. Did did mm-hmm. you a ever figure out that, or ever think in your mind that that there would be no asphalt tracks other than just one barely surviving? And what do you think's the key to even getting a new racetrack built nowadays, other than just a bucket load of cash? Yeah, that's that's what it is. It it would be a bucket load of cash. But here's the problem that that I see, and, and you know, even back in in the day when I was racing out at out at uh, you know Highway 16 or or any of those short tracks that that I went to, in order to be competitive, uh, the cost mm-hmm. was of of owning a car, having the the engine and and probably a spare that were you know. Back then, we would have fifty or sixty grand in a car. Back then, wow. and you're talking about the the early '80s, you know. Yeah. And nowadays, those guys have much, much more than that. And and to me, it's all about the car. You know, I by the time I get ready for a Saturday night out at Highway 16, bought you know maybe six tires, sometimes eight, depending on how long the main event was. Got my crew in, bought yeah. racing fuel got my car, anything else that needed to be bought, purchased for the car, got it ready for a Saturday night, you know, I'm spending $1,100 to run for 800 mm-hmm. What's wrong with that picture? Yeah, mm-hmm. That was bass backwards. You know, Upside unless down. you had a sponsor, I don't know how the heck you did it anyway. Yeah, You know, and, and so, and today, it's even worse. They're spending more money than that on their the cars. Yep. And, and you just... So it's it, the problem is the cars have become cost prohibitive. Yep. And you know if you went back and and let me tell you something, I really firmly believe this can be done. But if somebody, if you were to go with a say a late model class, but guess what, your late model has got to be a stock frame, and you know maybe you know stock A arms and all like we had for our super stocks back in the day in the Pan American days. Yep. But with the newer, shorter wheelbase, the, the you know, and, and then you went with some kind of uh, a, a motor rule, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, or even a crate motor that was, you know, you got to buy it here, it's got to be this, it costs this much. 
if you can get those cars back down, you know, in the $25,000, $30,000 range, yeah. you know, where somebody, and, and you know what, we have people capable in this part of, of the country that can build those cars. I yeah. firmly believe it. Yep. And get the cost back down where you can have the car count. When you have the car count, then you can have the race. But if you don't have the car count, people quit coming. Then you know. Then you, then that's where you have the troubles at. Yeah. But yeah. you got to have that car count. And and you know that I guess a lot of that was our own damn fault years ago because sure. many of us did that. And as racers, you know, Tommy Davis, great guy, great racer, man. There's no doubt, Tommy Davis. But he goes up. And, and and buys Rusty Wallace short right. track car, brings right. it back down here to San Antonio, and yep. the next thing you know, everybody's got to have a Bop mm-hmm. or a Dylan chassis, mm-hmm. or you know, and, and it go it goes on and on and on. So that kind of hap that kind of stuff happens. Yep. And if you don't catch it and nip it right then, and say, nope, we're not going to do all that. We're going to stay with these rules right here. You guys can hate me all you want to. Yep. And, and that was part of the problem, to be yep. very honest with you, with the split and the division of Pan American. We tried to keep some simple rules out there. And then, they, you know, the, the guys that went to Highway 16, they wanted the super trick aluminum heads. And, and they yeah. wanted different things to go faster. Now, understandably, like I said, hey, I got a lot of dear friends that, <laughs> you know, went that direction, and that's fine. Yeah. But when you do that, the car count's going to go down, and I and I can assure you, I don't know how many older racers to this day still come up to me and say, "Damn, damn, damn, damn!" Yeah. I'd do anything if we still had Pan American still back, you know, open again, mm-hmm. something like that, because mm-hmm. the cost cost is what killed us out at Highway 16, and and you know, I couldn't say it. But my dad damn sure told him that's exactly what was going to happen. You guys oh. can go out there, but that's fine. The difference is in Pan American on a quarter mile, you can hit the wall yep. and save your car and come back to race the next week. Yes, sir. In San Antonio, at Highway, San, uh, Highway 16, you're going to hit the wall and you're going to throw it away and you're going to need another chassis. Yeah. So you're going to be out. You're done. Maybe yep. the, the rest of the year, yep. or you're going to be out. If you got money, you're going to be out at least three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's going to happen because with speed, speed kills. Yeah, you know, it can. Mm-hmm. It's it all fun, but it speed kills your car, too, when you hit the wall. Yeah, so, that, that's right. Lord knows, I, I threw two of them away Jeez. that I hit the wall with. At, at, no, 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 three. Three of them <laughs> I threw away. Yeah. I forgot about that one. I, so, I, I yeah. hit that fence one time, and it was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like oh, in a stock dude. in a stock car. I'm like, "Oh, yeah, oh, my. Yeah. Uh, yeah." You talk about the thud, you know? Yeah. And you know what? I did, what I didn't realize either, guys, is when we did that Dale Earnhardt uh, Jr. deal for Lost Speedways, they had me walk back over there where I actually hit the wall mm-hmm. at, mm-hmm. and, and I went over and I looked at it, and I was like. Damn, this is like three, four feet thick in concrete right here. No wonder this damn wall didn't move, you know? Yeah. When, yeah. You yeah. know, I hit that thing with the front end, and do you know that the rear end housing in that race car bananas? Uh, yeah, That's I, how hard it hit. I heard it that. Bowed the, rear, bowed the rear end in that car. With, and that sudden stop is what got me, you know? Yeah. And, and, and uh, and then, you know, in 01, then, then we had Earnhardt, obviously, and then we, you know, we had uh, Roper at Texas, yep. and yep. 
then they went, you know what? We got to get serious about this neck mule. This yep. is, this is a, this is a bad situation. So yep. Yep. that's when they got serious, come up with the Hans and all that stuff. And, and racing has become uh, much safer since then. But back then, hell, we didn't have Hans devices. We used to put a throttle <laughs> yeah. spring on our helmet to keep yeah. our heads up in a 250 <laughs> lapper, you know? Hey, somebody hook up my throttle spring to the left side of my helmet, you know? This is this, and this. By the way, this is my hidden neck restraint. Or neck too. collar. I'm going to put this yeah. neck collar on here. That that, that that's going to help me out. That's it. You know. So yeah, yeah. anyway, they they've come a long way. Thankfully, so seats obviously have gotten much better. Yeah. Uh, just a just a whole lot to it. So yeah, yeah. great stuff. So Rick, I got to ask you one more question before we cut you loose. Thank you for the time because it's sure. been been entertaining sure. and been a, been a whole lot of bucket full of fun. Uh, you keep sure. up with the day stuff. What what's your take on this new next gen car we've got right now in the Cup Series? Obviously, Roddy and I talk about it all the time. We never thought we'd see a Cup Series car with a bolt on front and rear clip, but it seems to be leveling the playing field. The big dogs are not as far ahead as they used to be, and got like teams like Trackhouse winning races. What's your take on this new car and the future of NASCAR? Uh, you know, uh, I think NASCAR is doing a lot of great things. Um, I like the new car. I like the fact that, again, they're trying to simplify that simplify that car so that uh, team more teams can get in the sport, that you can uh, unbolt and bolt on a front clip or a mm-hmm. rear clip if you get into the wall, that sort of thing. And I do think it's leveled the playing field, but I don't necessarily know that it's all the car – as much as it is the tires, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've gone to the new uh, low, lower profile tire, and I personally think your Kyle Bushes and your Denny Hamlins and and the Kevin Harvicks, you know, they've had trouble adjusting to that new tire. I haven't no. really heard a lot of people talk about it, but I know tires are – you know the the feel of the car is just not the same to them yet. Yeah, and then you got those younger guys. Well, hell, they don't know any yeah. different. They, they, just they just drive go. it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, and, and I think they're driving the car, and and I think they have leveled the playing field. Now, I don't want to see NASCAR get to where they have an IROC series again. Right. You know, where everything's identical except for the cars. I don't really want to see that. I'm glad the noses are a little different on it. Uh, I'm glad that they are specking the cars as well as they are. Uh, I I knew, you know, my old crew chief, Gary Mahoney, and I had talked about this earlier on in this year when when we were, they were talking about the, the independent rear suspension because mm-hmm. that Datsun 510 was rear suspension. Yeah, it was. Uh, independent <laughs> rear suspension. And they uh, – you know, they've had trouble knocking the toe out yeah. uh, on those cars and, you know, just barely getting into the wall. They'll knock toe off or bust the, the toe arm on it and, mm-hmm. and end up putting them out of the race. That's, I think they're going to have to address that issue. I really do because I think they're having too many cars where, that are getting bent up on the right rear. Yeah. Um, but I am glad to see them uh, stand with the rules. I do like the front the the front noses on them mm-hmm. in the uh, OEM because see here's what sell again you talk about promoting here's what sells that sold that sport back in the seventies and eighties and that is when a fan went to the track and they could go eh, maybe there's my 
Buick out there. There it is. Mm -hmm. Or they that's can right. go, that's my Chevrolet, baby, right there. I'm pulling for that Chevrolet. That's my Ford. Well, you know, for yeah. years they got away from that. I mean, you couldn't tell one car what make it was from the difference other than the sticker on it. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. And I'd like to see them, you know, the old saying, you know, win on Sunday, sell on Mondays. You know, come on, let's do it. Let's get back to that. Yeah. In order to do that, so you got to have something that the fans can identify with. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see Dodge get back into the sport. Uh, Toyota's in the sport, obviously. Hey, bring on Nissan and some others. Sure. But let's make the cars look. In other words, they got to build a car, sell 5,000 of them according to NASCAR rules. And then, you know, then they can have the car out on the track, uh, become a cup car, Xfinity car. Hey, bring it on, man. Yep. That's what fans identify with. Yeah. Again, it's about the fans. Identify with the fans. And I think NASCAR is slowly trying to do that. I think they got away from it, realized it. And then now they're slowly trying to get back into that. But, uh, but I think. I think they'll get there. It'll it'll just take some time. Yep. And the only thing I hate to see is I don't I don't know that I really want to see a whole lot of, of uh, street racing of any sort. Uh, yeah. The Coliseum yeah. deal was a great show, but come on, man. They, yep. You know they couldn't get out of their own way, much less <laughs> you know win the damn thing. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, you know. No, it, but but you're right, so. Ricky. I, I tell people all the time when they say it's not a stock car. I'm like, the next time you're out on 410 look around it's a stock car i mean it's what we drive now mm -hmm. we don't have monte carlos mm -hmm. we don't have thunderbirds right. and all that lastly no. lastly last question for you and i'll promise this is mm -hmm. it so for you your family i mean just the whole history of of san antonio pavement racing for me the first time that my dad and i were able to get out on a racetrack him being the driver and i was just a, the snotty nosed kid there getting to tag along with him was racing in san antonio it's painful for me that we don't have a pavement racetrack in San Antonio with all the tradition that your family built. That um, that has to suck for you, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, I know we got I-37. I know we got 37, but, man, a pavement mm -hmm. track. How cool would that be? Even if it was a quarter-mile track, yep. a nice banked quarter-mile track, just anything that, that's got some asphalt on it would be wonderful to have back. I thought Kyle was a nice yeah. setup track track the you know the actual dimensions and things mm -hmm. like that i thought kyle was a was a, a very nice track uh like i said san antonio eh, it just the turns were just too tight it just didn't make for all that great a racing because it was hard to run yeah. side by side you know so it it's ate all cars about up. the racing mm -hmm. yeah you know you you always want to be able to run side by side door handle to door handle bumper to bumper for all 50 laps or whatever your main event is mm -hmm. that puts the show on for the fans that's right so when you build a track you got to take that into uh, consideration i need to build a track that is going to be good racing because that's going to be good for the fans but you, my only hope is guys is that <laughs> You know, I, I lost hope for a long, long time. My only hope would be that San Antonio becomes so damn big mm -hmm. and populous, which it is already. It's sure. getting there. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, with Austin being right there, you guys well know, the, the you know, 35 is just all together right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody that just has some money, Buku's money comes in and puts one in. Uh, and, and, but builds it right, uh, builds a nice little track, not, not, you know, that you got to spend a ton of maintenance. Uh, 
uh, on it. The other thing about that, a lot of people don't understand this, is the dirt track takes a lot of work to maintain. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. you got to have somebody that really knows what the hell they're doing to a keep farmer. a dirt track maintained. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maintained properly. And yeah, it puts on good racing, but it's a lot of maintenance. Whereas an asphalt track, you know, you can go out there and sweep it off a little bit and say, "Hey, let's go racing, <laughs> That's boy. right. That's right. You know. That's right. Just like Daryl would always say. That's and right. so, you know, I, I I hope somebody comes along and does it somewhere in the Austin San Antonio quarter. Uh, but we'll just have to see. We'll yep. just have to yep. see. Yep. It would take some buku bucks, and it would take somebody that's got a lot of. Uh, you know, that's ready to lose Dakota. money. That's going to lose money. Well, <laughs> well, they could, they could. But again, if they got, if they know the right people, yeah. ties with yeah. NASCAR, ties with Coda, ties with uh, uh, Humpy Wheeler, I yeah. mean uh, uh, Smith, yeah. and, and Bruton, and all those guys that you know have the tracks. Because see what happens. What's going to happen? The first thing that's going to happen when you somebody goes in there. Is somebody like a uh, a Bruton is gonna uh, or his kiddo now is yeah Marcus yeah Marcus uh, yeah. Marcus yeah, yeah that's right um, Marcus is gonna try to squelch the idea mm-hmm. because that's competition that's see? right and and even though it's not on the same level they still look at it as competition because if that short track is running on on Friday night or a Saturday night. Then you know what I may not get those same people out to out to Coda, you true. know, or or up at Texas or wherever. I may not get them on because they want to stay and run their Saturday night show and then go up there just for the Cup race on Sunday, you mm-hmm. know, that type mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah. So they immediately try to squelch it. So you got to have somebody that's in in the racing fraternity. That's right. That you know really can just get in there and say, "Hey, Marcus, here's what we're going to do, buddy. I'm yeah. going to put one in, and yeah. you're going to help me run this damn thing. We'll we'll tie it all in. We'll make racing big. Here we go. Let's rock and roll. You that's know it. that type of thing. That's it. But it's going to take somebody like that, pretty powerful with with some mega bucks to put it on, and then write the rules right. Oh, let the racers bitch. That's fine. Let them bitch. Yeah, they're going to. But they'll build one because they don't want to race everything. it. Well, and, I, and then yeah, and then you know, yeah. I, I got to tell you, Ricky. I, I've told the Coda folks. I, I've said a quarter mile. You have plenty of room out here for a quarter mile high bank racetrack. And they're like, yep. "Who are you, Mexican?" <laughs> so eh, you know, that's uh, terrible. There's that. No, <laughs> no they don't. Terrible. They don't say that. They're like, what? "Oh, I know what they're. I know yeah. what you're saying." But yeah, yeah. Man, they come on. You know, they need. You know, well, hell, they need to look at their own other racetrack in Bristol. You know, yeah, right. That, that's what that's what they need to do. And I, I was fortunate. I, I was, I did go to Bristol last year and and got to see that facility. Uh, yeah, that's a multi-million dollar, you know, facility, yeah. obviously, just really well does that type of thing. But you don't need to have anything like that on, on, a, on a smaller scale. On a, uh, you know, you can, you can build a nice track and just have front row, you know, or front straightaway grand for sure. stands. For sure. Just, just super clean, uh, a lot of asphalt, uh, uh, a lot of, you know, a base, that mm-hmm. type of thing, because in the parking lot you know you can't have a rain on a on a saturday morning and have to call the races off because you can't park the people you know that that doesn't need to happen and that's the kind of short tracks that we've had around here for years Mm -hmm. you know 
spend the money where you need to spend the money and other places don't spend the money and then promote the hell out of it and make it a family affair. I agree. As we talked about, it's got to be a family affair. So yep. that's yep. uh it's been Man, great. I wish it would happen again. I'd be there. I'd come help you announce, Roger. I'd come. Uh, br- I'd like, bring it on. <laughs> I mean, anytime. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll come help you do color, man. You, that, do, you do that. I'll do color. We got this. I'll be a pit reporter. Here we go, baby. Any, what do you want, anytime, anytime you see a place I'm at, if you're available, come on out. <laughs> come, I, yeah. You know, I thought about that. I said, you know, I, Rodney, I, I seen you up at Wake, uh, Friday nights at Waco. Yeah. Man, I love yeah. the trip. Yeah. That old, that old hard Texas speed up there. I remember the first time I went with one of my dad years ago. He took a sprint car up there and ran, <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden you hear this damn train coming down. There. Oh, what's it's the still there. The yeah. Train? Yeah. Are we racing the track or the train? One yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know, man. That that's some rabid fans right there. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, Ricky. Dude, this has been so much yeah. fun. And, and next time you and you and you and Eddie are getting together, drinking beer and eating barbecue, let Bobby and I know, man. We'll 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 go join you. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll come down great. and have a good old time. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Hey, let's man. do this again, guys. It's a dude, lot of fun. Let's dude, do it man, again sometime. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we went longer than I than I promised, but man, th- well, this is so cool. All good. This is all so good. cool. All, all right, good. buddy. Bobby, keep him straight. I will try. It is a hard job, okay. but when he goes off on it's his tangents, time. it gets yeah, rough. Yeah. But I'll I'm try. Mentioning. Keep that. Keep him. Keep our. Keep R two. I'm gonna call him R two now. <laughs> R two. I start I'm preaching. I'm gonna call him R because everybody. I get everybody nickname. So you're R two, baby. Uh, I'll take it. I'm the minister of madness. I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky. Y'all have a great one, man. Be you care. bet, man. Thanks for the time. Take care. Bye bye. You bet. Ricky Ware Jr. Oh my goodness! The one and the one and only. And that I mean, it's um, I mean, I love those stories right there. I mean, and that's the one thing you know. Just I mean, his whole their family. I mean, that that's that is San Antonio when you when you think about everything. And and I like we were talking about Ricky Senior. When you go back, I, I think you can talk to a lot of promoters that that know Ricky Ware Senior. The shit that he did back then. Is what you have to do now. Yeah, absolutely. and that was way the hell back then. Well, what was it when the green flag, green flag, green flag well, dropped? That, that was, should stop. That, that was sixteen. Yeah, that was sixteen. Sixteen was the one because they got tired of all the extra stuff. But you have to have you that. You have to do that. You have to do that, and that's what they're talking about right there. Is um, it's it's all about even more imperative now. Um, and I love what he said. It's a lot of classes. Um, Back in those days, there were three or four. And I know that was different, but you had heat races, trophy dashes. You had good intermissions where everything happened. And I know people want to race, and promoters want them to be able to race, so I totally get it. But Ricky Ware Sr. wrote the blueprint on how to mm-hmm. do that shit. Mm-hmm. And and Ricky Jr. and and Trey, all of those guys, I mean, that, that they didn't know any different. And I love his stories there with, with oh, all yeah. that, with going to USAC, and it's like, man, I ain't going to college, <laughs> <laughs> dude. That is so cool. I mean, that that that's a fun conversation right there with that guy. I think he's got so many more. Oh yeah, he's full of them. Yeah, we'll have to do that again uh, at some point. At some point, maybe we'll get the other side of the story and get Eddie Beerswell on here. Maybe Eddie, Eddie Beerswell. Eddie Beerswall and 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 get all of that right there, or, or to get the two together, I, I think that'd be even better. That'd be even better. Yeah, 
That'd yeah. be fun. Barbecue and beer with those two would be pretty it'd be oh, pretty awesome. My goodness, that would be so much fun. That was a great uh great stuff. We'll have that podcasted up at revedupsportshow.com, revedupsportshow.tv. We'll get that all trimmed out. You can go back and and if you missed it, uh Ricky Ware Jr. uh jumping in. Just really cool stuff right there. We also do want to thank our man uh mr crane i'm not sure what happened there with him i think we lost him he was trying to hit me uh on my phone there right at the end of uh of our conversation but again uh you know a doubleheader weekend at waco and at abilene for the uh, touring outlaw modified series check them out uh, on facebook and on their website because they uh it's it's a lot of damn modifieds and that's that's cool to see especially in the days where we see modified struggling uh, a little bit yeah absolutely it was a good it was a good show uh, the highlights I got to watch from Waco seems like they had some great, great heat races. Didn't get to see it from Abilene, but if it was anywhere near the excitement in Abilene on Saturday as it was with uh, with the racing there on Friday at Waco, then uh, and there's damn good show appeared. Kale Westover could have swept that weekend. He got in trouble. He had a little bit of problem right there at the first part of that race in Waco, and he had some difficulty right there and and wasn't able to. Uh, I think he was on his way to winning both of those or to winning Friday night at Waco, but he had a, a little bit of a problem there. So coming up this weekend. Uh, uh, what do we got? We've got uh, Friday Del- night's Texana. Texana. Then you got uh, the Race Ranch, mm-hmm. and I think thirty-seven also. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, with on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. So you got all of that. You'll have uh, a great night of racing at uh, Heart of Texas, Kennedale. They they are all going one hundred and five speedway in Cleveland, Mobile. Mobile. That's right. Uh, yeah, come see us in Mobile as we get fired up uh, the first race with the uh, Gulf Coast Racing Series getting uh, getting off and rolling with that uh, great event uh, at Mobile. You can check that out on Racing America. Not on Facebook, but Racing America. You can uh, check that out. Fun stuff, man. Lots of fun tonight. Good show. Extended version. We don't know extended version very often, but every time we do, it's a good reason for oh, it. Oh, man. Really, really good stuff. Thank you all for checking in. Go find you a local racetrack this weekend. Uh, have a good week, buddy. Uh, what, what all you got going on? Just trying to play catch-up after being gone in Vegas for a couple of days. Coming back, uh, losing your ass, my man. Yeah, I sure did. That damn race in Bristol did not end up like it should have. That's why I don't gamble. I lose my ass on everything else. I spend too much money on everything else. I can't afford to gamble. $475. Should have just given it to you if I just wanted to give money away. My biggest gamble is getting out of bed every day, my friend. <laughs> that is my biggest gamble. At your age, that takes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That is Showtime. Bobby Chaffee, I'm Rodney Rodriguez. Check us out. We are back next Monday. Good stuff. Go find a racetrack. You'll be glad you got together. Be well, everybody.